Hi, I'm Randy Heckman. Welcome to the Grand Awakening Podcast. You know, our heart is to do all that we can to incline our sovereign Lord to pour out His Spirit and power, reviving the church here in West Michigan, in our state and in our nation, and leading to a great spiritual awakening for His glory. But first, you know, it's critical that we need to listen to what God is saying to us and that we quickly and cheerfully respond to His instructions in humble obedience. Today, we have the privilege of chatting with Liz Doyle. She's a woman who's been an amazing catalyst for bringing together Christian women leaders around our country and really around the world to promote God's kingdom. So I think you're gonna enjoy hearing what she has to say uh, from her heart. Well, it is my pleasure to introduce uh, Mrs. Liz Doyle. And her bio goes on and on because she's done so much. What really amazes me, Liz, uh, among other things, of course, you graduate from high school in Ohio and immediately, that's in 1972, you take off for Belfast, Northern Ireland. And what was the reason you went there, Liz? I felt called of God to go to the most dangerous place in the world. Wow. And that was the most dangerous place as far as I knew in those days. And uh, as a, a high schooler, I got saved when I was 14, immediately fell in love with Jesus, preached the gospel to everywhere, anyone, everywhere, all the time. I love it. And by the time I was 16, I felt called into missions. I began to seek God for where to go. And one early morning prayer meeting, um, I was praying and I really felt impressed. It was to, to Belfast, where all of the newspaper you know, headlines were there. You know, some of our and, listeners may not know why that was a dangerous place. Maybe you should just cover that just sure. for a second. Yeah, during those days, um, there was uh, a real battle between the, um, really, the Roman Catholic Church, which was uh, the front, as it were, for Marxist terrorists. That's who they were They were using. <laughs> And then in the Protestants of Northern Ireland, Ireland is divided up into two sections, the north part and the southern part. Okay. The northern part is ruled by Protestants. And the Catholic people that were living uh, in the northern part, there were civil rights injustices, et cetera, which caused them not to, they caused them to rebel in a sense, but it made a place for terrorism to rise up. Mm. And so at that point, they were, uh, there were car bombs going off, assassinations. Mm. People were just getting killed. You go down the street, you could be caught in a car bomb. Mm. Um, it was it was terrible. And in 1972, it hit its height of dangerous times and murders and killings. While I was there one day, um, 22 bombs went off around me. I was I was standing there, overlooking the the city. I'd just come through the city, and I was standing looking. And I could watch as all of the bombs just blew up right across the city. And many, many people were killed that day. So you are, what, 18 years old. Mm -hmm. And you say, God wants me to go there. And what was your heart to do once you got there? How are you going to fix the problem? What what was on your heart to do? To preach the gospel. To bring the peace of Christ. In fact, was really... um, you know, they were fascinated because there were hardly any Americans there. Nobody would go there. And I stood in the middle of the city 
Um, there was a whole, there was this bombed out area and there was a, a traffic island. I used that as my, as my um, stage and I put my guitar around my neck and I just start preaching. I didn't need microphones or anything. I just start preaching. And it was so unusual that the BBC came, the ABC came, German TV came and they were all interviewing me. And they said to me, ABC said, what are you here for? I said, to bring peace into this nation. Wow. And they said, how's that? I said, to bring Jesus, the Prince of Peace. It's not about religion. It's about knowing him and having a relationship with him. So it was great. And as a result, the BBC picked it up and it was featured in their New Year's broadcast. And to this day, they actually use that footage in their educational system. I'm a part of their history. Um, the, sort of the uprising of young people behind the scenes who followed Jesus. And that was our peace movement. Well, Liz, uh, again, this is the first time we've actually talked. Well, maybe we met briefly uh, at something. My wife is the one that pretty much introduced me to you, and she says nothing but praise about you. But one feature or character that you certainly have is courage uh, and, and a, a desire to just follow the Lord wherever he leads. And, and your, your whole biography, uh, I mean, many years have passed since 1972, just speaks uh, to the, the many exciting things. You're not afraid to take those bold steps. Uh, I got a good friend, a mayor of our local town. He says, how do you spell faith? He says, R-I-S-K. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> he right. says, when, when, he, when Jesus calls you to get out of the boat, you get out of the boat. And that's clearly what you do. Why don't you tell us a, a few more things that you've done since 1972? Certainly you met your husband, Sid, when you were over yeah. there, didn't you? Yes, I was preaching in the streets, and I looked out, and I saw this handsome young Irishman, and the Lord spoke to me and said, you're going to marry him. And I wow. thought, I'm too young to get married. But the Lord knew I needed to get married. I needed some man to, to keep me alive, really. Oh, I love it. And, um, he, so, and so within a couple of weeks, he actually asked me to marry him. He was studying. He was in Bible college. And we'd actually both come to know Christ June 1968. He was serving in the British Army. I was just entering high school. Wow. And we went into the ministry, so we ended up in England, church planting for 25 years. We planted three very strong churches who sent out, we've sent out over 100 people into ministry, full-time ministry from there. <laughs> and um, it was, but our first church plant was in a very dangerous place, one of the most uh, needy and dangerous places in the south of England, in a housing estate, is what they call them there. And, uh, and we, you know, it's all kinds of things happened. Mm-hmm. He was beaten up a couple of times. I had to disarm somebody who was threatening us with a broken bottle and knives. And, mm-hmm. you know, the same things were happening. We've always had all these kind of uh, exciting moments. Wow. in our ministry. And then after that, in, in 96, the Lord started speaking to me about mobilizing the women of the world to reach their nations for Jesus. And I called a meeting and a thousand women came to that first meeting. A thousand? Did you say a thousand? A thousand women. Unbelievable. It's unbelievable in England, that's for sure. And they all came and I had a couple of very, of older women godly women. One was from Africa. One was from America, actually. She'd been a missionary in England for many years, and she was really a a revivalist there. And then I also uh, 
So I had, I had them in this meeting and it launched what we called releasing daughters of the last days. The verse that he, that he, he, he drew me to was in Acts chapter two, verse 17, which says in the last days, I will pour my spirit out on all flesh and your sons and daughters shall prophesy. And I was blessed because my husband, um, he early on in our marriage, the Lord spoke to him to release me into anything that the Lord would have for me. And I, you know, he, and he said to me following that, because he's a good Irishman, he said, you will cook for me, won't you? (laughs) And uh, I said, of course, I love serving my family. And, and that, that didn't hinder what God had planned because I was able to bring up my family. We have two children and serve my family while ministering. And I mean, they came with me everywhere, the kids. Sure. And uh, that's how they got trained. But then what happened was I began to travel globally at that point with releasing daughters of the last days. And we saw, I've been to about 55 nations and have taught hundreds of thousands of women in all these nations. And then coupled with that, um, my husband, he got his master's degree in, uh, in, in Muslim ministry, basically. And then we started traveling together, training people to reach out cross-culturally, and then also conducting very large crusades in Pakistan, Sri Lanka, India, African nations, in real dangerous areas where they're on the edge of civil war or there was terrorist activity. You know, that's where God would take us right in there and encourage the believers and see many, many, many people come to Christ. So good. So we've done that until, um, and then when we came here to Michigan, we partnered with uh, missionaries in the southern Michigan area, like Dearborn, Sterling Heights, where there's a a big immigrant population. And we have um, partnered with them, teaching and learning from each other and uh, witnessing and uh, to those people, because God has brought the nations now to us. We don't necessarily need to go to those nations because the leaders of those nations he, he's brought to us if we're willing to go and and get to know them and share with them and preach the gospel to them. So that's what we've been doing. And then uh, in 2019, you founded She Leads Michigan. How did that come about? You know, how that came about was the Me Too movement had risen up, and that disgusted me. And I, I just thought, this is not a representation of, of godly women. And Explain that. Expand on that just a little bit more. What do you mean by that? Well, what I mean by that is these are women. I call them M-E-N, W-O, capital M-E-N. You know, they want to be men. They don't want to be women. Hmm. They're virtuous. They're, they've lost their virtue. They, they're totally, you know, their language is vulgar. Their behavior is vulgar. Everything about them is, uh, it's vulgar. It is um, angry. It's resentful. It's bitter. Mm. And it's nasty. And that's not godly womanhood. And that's not what God intended us to be. He tended us as women to be nurturers and kind. Describe what you view as a godly woman. A godly woman to me is someone who trusts the Lord, who's living a holy life, faithful to her family, faithful to her husband, uh, full of grace, kindness, 
self-control, um, a woman who is, uh, you know, virtuous, um, discreet, as it were, but not discreet as in fear, mm. because one thing that we have a problem with is fear. But we need to be courageous and bold, but beautiful while being so. Not being, um, you know, I, nowadays women are trying to be men. They're trying to, I don't know. I just, it just, I didn't like it. And it made me even more angry when certain people are voted into government here and their behaviors and the way that they addressed was so unprofessional. And it did not represent, in my opinion, um, what a woman in leadership should look like. So I, I got on my knees. I literally got on my knees. I said, Lord, what are you going to do about this? These women do not represent me. And I'm not going to, I'm not putting up with it. And he spoke to me and he just said, it's time for the Christian women in this nation to rise up. And it's time for them to speak out and I will give them a voice. <laughs> so I said, oh, well, that's good. How? How are you going to do that, Lord? <laughs> And then he directed me to go see my state representative, who is a Christian woman. I shared with her some things the Lord had shared with me. We both resonated that this was the Holy Spirit. And we decided to, we felt the Lord say to us, the way that a woman, you know, what happens with Christian women is we're marginalized, we're not listened to, nobody cares what we think. And because we're so timid and we're not, we, we're not articulate, nor are we put ourselves forward, we're not bold, then our opinions just get wiped aside. So we decided these women need to be validated. And the way that you validate someone is you honor them. So we had an afternoon tea, a beautiful afternoon tea. Um, my husband and I, when we lived in England, we were blessed to be honored by the Queen of England. We were wow. invited to Buckingham Palace to the garden party. Mm. He would invite people there to honor them for their... Um, service to the community and that did a lot for us and we and i thought let's have something like that something extravagant and then our state representative very kindly came and she presented certificates from the state of michigan so they're validated by the state of michigan and then collaboration who was that formed. state representative by the way her name is Bronna Colley. okay awesome and uh she's great mm. she's a great godly woman that's right and so she then in doing that, these women, I mean, women just flocked to this. But first of all, they were nominated by their peers. So these are women like school superintendents, CEOs of companies, sure. leaders in, um, you know, like 501c3s, in the medical profession, media. In ten, we, we identified 10 different uh, sectors of society. <laughs> So these women all come and then they don't know each other. Then they meet these other women. They hear the fabulous things that are happening. It encourages us. It creates collaboration. And then God began to bring us together as a group. So now we're coming to 300 women here in Michigan. Wow. It's a powerful group. And we're your launching. group is called She Leads Michigan. Yep. SheLeadsMichigan.com. You can see it there. Okay. So like my assistant um, director, she was the first female mayor of Holland, Michigan. And she's a brilliant Christian woman, woman of God. And our prayer coordinator, she's now the sort of mid-American uh, leader of the National Day of Prayer. 
Sylvia Williams. We have women from different backgrounds, different races, even different political parties. We all love the Lord, and we stand for biblical values. Mm. So mm. that's our, our core is the Word of God. That's awesome. Now, you're, you're expanding the concept. You, you've had She Leads Michigan, and soon that's to be She Leads America. Is that yeah. true? Yeah, God is on the move. And I felt the Lord say to me, you have two years to get this right across the United States. And I have this uh, advisory board. There's 20 women on that. They're powerful women of faith. And, um, and we just came up with it. I mean, whatever we do, we just agree. We're in total agreement. And we said, well, let's, let's do two things. First thing we wanted to do was we wanted to go to the Lincoln Memorial to invite Jesus back into America, which we can talk about it here in a minute. But the second thing was to launch simultaneously in all of the states, She Leads America. And then what happened is the Lord about three weeks ago spoke to me and said, I want to honor women of distinction. And he began to name them off to me. And praise God, um, now we have Alveda King is coming to be honored, Shirley Dobson, um, my favorite author, her name's Bodie Taney, uh, the head, uh, Kathy Brenzel, who's the, pres- the leader of the National Day of Prayer, mm-hmm. um, the commissioner of the Salvation Army for the United States. Mm-hmm. That's, that's just some of the women that the Lord laid in our hearts, and they're all coming to the Museum of the Bible. And we're very grateful because Congresswoman Lisa McLean from the Oakland County area, she's going to be presenting congressional um, recognition to these ladies. Wow. And so significant that on the floor of the House, their names are mentioned as Christian women who have contributed to this country and to the, and to the culture and to the, the goodness of the country. <laughs> and I want this to be done all the time. Women being um, honored and valued because of who we are. And Jesus is thrilled. I mean, he's making this thing happen so fast. We have zero. We have no money. We have no budget. We don't fundraise <laughs> or anything. The Lord just provides. Oh, that's cool. And that's what he's doing. That's neat. Well, you know, our culture, Liz, is, um, you know, it, it's supportive of women to some degree, uh, but as you describe, it's different from what direction you're going as far as being Christian women with, with, with the, the qualities that you described. But honestly, don't you agree that men are not, especially white men, are not particularly appreciated by our woke culture today? Yeah, that's right. And that's, and that's an, um, there's two reasons. One reason is because they dug themselves in a hole by things that in the past, which they need to repent of. And secondly, because the power that is in the men of God, if they would take it and stand up and be courageous, he wants to hold them back. Yeah. And he wants to stop them from mm-hmm. coming forward. Mm-hmm. But there's some issues that are that the Lord wants to, I believe, uh, address. And one of the big, I think the main issue is the lack of unity in the body of Christ. I agree with you. And a lot of that has to do with pride, mm-hmm. ego, arrogance. And it's not just white men. Yeah. You know, it's any leaders that are 
they're operating in the flesh and not in the spirit. Yeah, that's good. Now, they may feel like they're in the spirit, mm -hmm. but I would say if you took their pulpit away and took their money away and you took their away, I don't know where they'd be. Mm -hmm. I don't know that they'd go out in the middle of the street and preach the gospel without a microphone, mm -hmm. you know, because the love and the passion the Lord is looking for in us. Yeah. So that's what, that's what led us to mm -hmm. to do what we call the invitation. But but I guess what I'm trying to suggest is again we have you know Tony Evans Kingdom Men yeah. Rising. Um, yeah. We have Promise Keepers that's been involved almost died. Wonderful. It's it's coming back. But but mm -hmm. I, would you not agree that we need to have Christian men to stand up, not be bullies, but to be, have strength and courage. And unity, like you talk about, and and uh, I'm assuming that that your women uh, from you know your different groups would not be uh, competitive in any way, but would be complementary with what the Christian men would be involved in doing in this country or this world. Is that true? Yes, I mean the Bible says in Acts two seventeen, your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Yeah. So we right now in our movie, like we feel it's the time of Esther, and it's the Esthers and the Mordecais. Yeah. So our husbands and men, they're with us. They are covering us. They're advising us. They're praying for us. They're accompanying us. And but they see that the moment now, the voice has to be a feminine voice. <laughs> but uh, you know, our men are like fully behind us. That's great. That's in awesome. my opinion. Yeah, well, that's great. For a great. strong man yeah. to stand back and yes. let a woman say something. Yeah. Again, I've, I've often said, I mean, when you look to Adam and Eve and what happened in the garden and so on, I really believe that, that uh, a man's sinful response to stress is to become passive. And yes. I think a woman's sinful response to stress is to try to over-control. Yeah. And she needs to, to fight that. You could read First Peter 3, where like Sarah chose to trust her husband. And that's yeah. not easy. It's, it's, it's not easy for husbands to love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. It's not easy for a wife to respect her and trust her husband. It takes the Holy Spirit, don't you agree, for both sides to do this. Uh, someone has suggested that men naturally respect their wives and most, many women naturally love their husbands, but it, you probably know this, that uh, if, a, if a man had to choose between love and respect, he wants to be loved, but respect is even higher. And a woman wants to be cherished, wants to be loved. And it's almost like the, the circuits are crossed. Like, God, was that a design error? And my answer <laughs> to that is no, 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 it was not a design error. We can't do it in the flesh, as you pointed out. We need the Holy Spirit to have a healthy marriage between a husband who loves and cherishes his wife and a wife who, who again, they're equal in importance, but that she, she looks for, for support and protection from that husband. And together they make a team so that one plus one really equals three. And uh, yes. I'm, I'm blessed with a wife that gets that. And she goes, to, she goes to God daily <laughs> to get uh, love and respect that I do not deserve. You know, I'm still a sinner, but uh, I, I trust that I'm getting the same sort of 
uh, you know, power from God to, to, to love her. She's just an amazing woman. So this is good. This is real good. She is. You know, it's a, the other thing I think is important. We've been married now 48 years, and we've always been a team. Yeah. And, you know, we've worked together our whole ministry. Um, we've just worked as a team. And it's, it's respecting and understanding each other. And it's, it's very hard. I think for men, like I was saying, what's hard for men is to step back and let their wives shine, you know, if they have the opportunity. And that's where my husband has been so gracious because he opened the doors of opportunity for me. Like he would be invited to be on television, maybe do five, you know, five, five nights. And he would say, I'll do television as long as my wife can do two of those nights. Wow. So he would always open the doors of opportunities for me. Yes. But as a result, the doors of opportunity opened for him because when I began to travel travel globally, they wanted to meet the man of God. So then he would always get invited back and he's wonderful. They loved him. They love him. They love him more than me, but you know. <laughs> but I was able to open the doors for him. Sure. And he's able to open the doors for me. And that's Mordecai and Esther. That's really. Good right there and that's what god is looking for that's good is that you know the 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 wonderful thing about esther is she got that authority Mm -hmm. but but she always listened to mordecai and took his advice even if it was an advice that said you know you could you need to put your life at risk that's right that's right but she trusted him yep and god honored that I love that. So I think, you know, that's really important for that's us. That's a great, great way to describe it. I love it. That's really good. Now, you know, the heartbeat of our podcast is, you know, America's at the crossroads. And, uh, you know, t- as we record this today, just a, a loss of life in Afghanistan with uh, 12 American soldiers. And it's just, oh, so God's talking to our country. And again, our ministry is about revival. We really believe we need to pray and work for God to move in power. We need another great awakening in in our nation. And we've certainly been praying toward that end, working toward that end. But what stands between us and that revival that we we're, we've been praying for? What what is what would God want to say to the American church in your opinion, Liz? I was, I took part, you know, uh, in an observant type of way um, in last September's repentance uh, movements. You know, here in Michigan, praise God, you know, our representatives, they called for a day of fasting and prayer here in Michigan, which we took part in. And then we had that big uh, fasting and prayer events that were taking place in D.C., And I've been in many fasting and prayer and repentance events throughout my whole Christian life. Hmm. And I said to the Lord, I said, we do this, but nothing happens. Why is nothing happening? Right, exactly. That is because, first of all, we're repenting for other people's sins, Hmm. not our own. Good. I said, okay. He said, and I believe, I personally believe, the biggest sin is the sin of disunity okay the fact that we are proud we are arrogant we know better than everybody else you know i know more i know i'm better than my sister here she feels she's better than me okay that thing makes god 
disgusted. So, and he said, what happens, he said, is that when you come in and you clean out uh, the room, like it says in Matthew 12, 45, seven times worse comes back in. Mm -hmm. That's why you're having this. You're not inviting me into this cleansed room. Hmm. You're not inviting me. So I said, well, what does that look like, Lord? He said, it's got to be formal. It's got to be serious. It's got to be thought through. But I want to be invited back into America formally. We are the Laodicean church. I totally agree. And he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And so... What he led us to do for She Leads Michigan was to go up to the go up there to the steps. And we had a formal inviting of Jesus. And one of our constitutional lawyers wrote a motion citing all the ways that we have legislated Jesus out in the preamble. And then we had a motion to invite him back in. Now, when Another you say the, the steps, what, what steps are you talking about? Well, you said you're in the Lansing okay. uh, steps in the Capitol. At the Capitol. Okay. And this is what we're going to be doing at the Lincoln Memorial. In oh, DC. Okay. Then we gave Jesus the keys, and then we had a representative of every sector of society that we, that we represent write a prayer, a petition to humbly implore Jesus to please come back into these sectors of society. Wow. And the power of the Holy Spirit was there. And I'll tell you what, so many things have happened since that day in direct answer to those prayers. And we believe that's going to happen in D.C. I have absolutely no fear of what's going on today at all, because I believe this is going to drive us to one another. Mm. It's going to drive us to Jesus because we're going to have no power left. So we only have to have his power. I love it. And I've just seen him. My husband and I sit back and laugh because we see things happening and we say it's Jesus in the background, and he uses people. He's even used the same women who prayed those prayers to actually initiate many of the things happening in Michigan. <laughs> they have been, and some of these women have been promoted. Some of these women have been given opportunities they never had before. Not that they were looking for them, but Jesus gave those them those opportunities. And I just believe that when we go to D.C., um, there's so many wonderful prayer movements. There's, it's, you know, it's, I, yes. I don't want to sound like narcissism or anything, but it's like I was talking to the leader of the Intercessors for America yesterday, and she said, this is a revelation. Jesus has given you a revelation. We welcome him in, but we don't formally invite him in intentionally like this. And we need to start getting intentional with him in our families, with our children, in our lives, in our country, mm. so that we're no longer in our churches. We want Jesus intentionally to come in to say, Lord, we have really missed it here. That's really good. And um, I just believe the Lord is going to move. So I'm, I'm elated. I think the more awful it gets, because Sid and I have seen this, we always end up in, in countries just before a civil war and God stops it, <laughs> or just before some terrible calamity. So many people get saved because the Holy Spirit, it's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should have eternal life. And so the circumstances that surround our lives drive us to him. That's right. If we will be led to him by the Spirit. I love it. I love it, Liz. Uh, Amen. 
Amen. <laughs> That's what he's doing. This is I have, so good. I just have great. I just have such anticipation. Oh. You know, because I go to. This is not like going to like a, a knees up prayer. Uh, this is like going and saying, seriously, you know, going to God, and and framing this thing. And I, I mean, you know, we're very casual with Almighty God, <laughs> the Creator of the universe. Yeah, isn't that something? And we've become more and more like that yeah. our, because our society has become more casual. That's that's true. But I think you're but totally I think you're totally right to say, and I, I have preached it many times to say of all the churches mentioned in Revelation, the one that rings the bell is the church at Laodicea. They they're lukewarm. They think yes. they're rich and in need of nothing. That's been the American yes. church. And Jesus says, eh, poor, pitiable, wretched, blind, yes. and naked. And yeah. he could just say, okay, I'm standing at the door knocking. I'm going to come in and yell at you. No, I want to no. come in and eat with you. I want to have fellowship with you. And those who overcome, I'm going to give you authority to sit with me on my throne. I mean, it's incredible, yeah. his love. He says, but those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. That's what he's yeah. doing with our American church today. But I think you're absolutely right that unity is critical. And we've we're just so divided because of pride, and wow, they're a little bit different from us. And uh, if we, to, again, it's not a holding hands and kumbaya and believe anything you no, want. No, 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 no. no. It's got to be you know biblical and and believe in what what marriage is, for example, male and female, exactly. and so on. All those things. It's got to be right. But once you get the the core. We've got yes. to join together. His prayer in John 17, three times yes. in four verses, that they be one. And yes. we're not. We're so divided. And it's going to take maybe more I've pain. that's what I love about yeah. She Leads Michigan. Yes. I don't even know what churches these women go to. Sure. That's not a prerequisite. That's right. Do you know Jesus? Yes. There you and go. And is the Bible in your life the Word of God? The Word of God, yes. And there are non-negotiables there. There you go. There aren't like, you know, casual whatever. There are certain non-negotiables right. in the Word of God. That's right. And that, Absolutely. That has to be there. That's right. Amen. And and then, you know, the Bible says it's interesting because the Colossae Church was a Laodicean church. Mm. And a problem they obviously were having was uh, the Jews and the Gentiles and the slave and the free. And he said there is no difference. You know, there was unity. He's calling for unity in that church. He's calling for unity in our church today. Yeah. And in He Leads Michigan, it is unified you know we have very strong women from the african-american community the the latina community mm -hmm. from asian community from the white community and when we go up to dc it's going to even be more diverse mm. because god is building a church and because and i think one of the reasons sid and i have traveled so much and we work cross-culturally so we understand the beauty and the strength when we come together, because certain cultures carry different graces. That's right. So that when you come together, that 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 grace that comes with that it's, unity it's brings beautiful. such power. It's beautiful. Yes. It's, so, it's beautiful. Yes. You know, this one worships like this. This one prays like this. Yes. This one preaches like this. This one has insight. This one doesn't have. I love it. And it's cultural. Yeah, that's good. So you become, you, you actually then have the mind of Christ. So we call it faith-based solutions for modern-day challenges oh. because we don't have to go to the lowest common denominator. We are reaching higher because we're reaching into the heavens, and God is giving us his mind. I love it. 
That's and we're so doing that. And that's what we uh, obviously we'd love the men to do that. We'd love us all to do it. But you know what I found? Women unite men. Because when the women get together, the men have to be friends with the husbands. That's just how it happens, whether you like it or not. And I think that's the same in the body of Christ. Mm. We, we're not friends, and we, we are suspicious because Satan has sown seeds of discord and suspicion. Yes. And then you got the pride and the arrogance, and I'm better than you. It's so immature. Yes. You know, when we first started the, our church in England, you know, there were no other really— mm evangelical churches per se in our town. So we were, you know, I was proud. I mean, I was only 21. I didn't know any better. But that created within me a strength of um, identity. And that's good. Mm -hmm. But then you've got to move from there to begin to to encourage others and and embrace others and then empower others who aren't necessarily like you. That's That's the body of Christ. I love it. I love it. You know, not just this one little narrow. Mm -hmm. Yep. Liz, this is awesome. This has been so, so good. Is there anything that I have perhaps not asked that uh, you want to add? Otherwise, I'd love to have you close us in prayer. Pray not just for what you're doing, but what for we're doing, but for getting men, Christian men, to to step up to the plate, to unite, to 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 be used by God powerfully. Um, uh, in our nation so that we see that revival that we, we need, we desperately need. Yeah, the, the main thing that I would say, and, I, and, and this is so, so important yes. for all, everyone, is we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I love it. Because when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power, you will receive courage, you will have salvation, and then you will have confidence and it's not in yourself. It's in him. And men need to learn how to have confidence in him. That's good. Because men are strong and they have confidence in themselves. And that's that's a wonderful thing. But but that doesn't get us where we need to go because it's only Jesus who's the overcomer. We have to get within him. And then I just encourage men to just be men and don't be afraid to love. And to care for your wives, your daughters, teach your sons how to be strong in God without being arrogant, mean, and nasty. Yes. But being, you know, my husband is um, a man's man. He's a man's man. Mm. When we got married, he said, I, you're going to do the washing. You're going to do the cleaning. You, that's your job. You know, that kind of thing. And I, I, appreci- I just accepted it because that's how my dad was. But over the years, you know, he's seen that I need help. He wants to step in and we partner together. And I'm not. And because of that, I have total confidence in him. Sure. When he tells me, I think the Lord's saying to do this, I just do it because I know he doesn't just flippantly say stuff. Yep. So I would say men need to be serious. Men need to start being earnest. Men not start need to start being holy. They need to stop uh, getting on the Internet. Because you, they start watching pornography, they yep. start watching things that mm-hmm. then begin to mm-hmm. influence them, and then they have no confidence. That's because right. Because the demons are just all over them. So it's time to just say, stop, I repent, I'm done, I'll do whatever it takes. I'm going to be a holy man of God, walking humbly with him. I love it. And when you do, you know what's going to happen? 
power everywhere. What? Respect everywhere. Amen. Because people respect that. Amen. So that's what I'd say to the guys. All right. Well, pray into all that. Would you right now? Close us in prayer. Sure. Father, I thank you so much for this ministry that Randy and Marsha have. I thank you, Lord, you've put within their hearts a desire to see revival. And I thank you, Lord, there are keys. There are keys. And we know that when people come to know you and they are filled with your Holy Spirit, the leadership that is there in place is crucial. They need to be holy. They need to be honorable. They need to be people, Lord, who are standing in the throne room of God and having courage to preach the gospel so that then the new believers have someone that they can look up to and we can disciple them. So, Lord, I pray for us. I pray that you would make us holy. You would make us strong, Lord. We would be filled with the Holy Spirit. We would be courageous, Lord God, that, Lord, we wouldn't be weak. We wouldn't fall back. We wouldn't be ashamed of the We would preach with boldness. And Lord, I thank you, Lord, for husbands and wives throughout this nation in the name of Jesus. And I pray, Lord, for more partnerships. I pray, Lord, for teams that you would build together. You said your sons and daughters shall prophesy us together to be, Lord, a voice in these end times. So I pray in the name of Jesus that you would begin, Lord, to speak through us, that we would begin to be of one heart and one mind, that, Lord, that the, the these these divisions that have been between us, the suspicions that have, Lord, the offenses that have been taken and have given. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would matter more, that we would come to the cross, that we would be cleansed by your precious blood. You would fill us with the Holy Spirit, Lord, that we could have grace, that those fruits, Lord, would be manifest as we go forward in these days. Lord, I thank you in the name of Jesus that you are doing that one by one, person by person. And Lord, I pray that you would, I plead with you, Lord, that you would help us to stay where we need to stay so that we can hear that still voice telling us what to do and when to do it. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Liz, thanks so much for being with us. God bless you. And God bless you too. Thank you, Randy. 